We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Coming up, the latest on the Kansas City Royals from our team here at KCSN. All of our Royals content is brought to you by KC Strength and Conditioning, experts in baseball and softball training for kids ages 8 to 18. If you're in need, you're in luck. John and his crew have sent hundreds of players to college and the pros. That's KC Strength and Conditioning. And now, it's time for the latest updates on your Kansas City Royals. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield. Jordan Foote and Josh Geyser are joining me as always. Uh, how is the uh, all the Chiefs training camp buzz that's just flooded your timelines the last couple of days been treating you? It's been good, man. Um, I am notorious, and I've admitted it this year, for not liking training camp and like not putting stock into it and not wanting to follow it, and like, which is ironic, obviously, because I do a lot of Chiefs coverage, and that's what like puts food on my table but um it's been good so far it's unfortunate that mr Kadarius tony is already injured and under the knife but something tells me the chiefs are gonna have a decent team this year it's just an inkling i know it's early um i think number 15 number 87 and then number 95 when and if he signs they're probably uh gonna make the team the breaking I news. Bet that those are pretty good, pretty good guesses. <laughs> those are sourced, by the way. Like I'm going out on yeah. a limb and really, really trusting my guy that that told me that. Can you show your work on where you're, where, why you feel so confident? Do you want to share your sources, or is it just they, they seem to be okay players? They they've had good camps so far, and then 95 has a, a decent reputation. I'll say the the one piece that I you know I'm kind of like yeah I don't take a ton of stock in it, especially early before there's even pads on, but. It's one of those things that when Lewis Riddick tweets, you listen and you pay attention. And he gave Deneric Prince a pretty good, uh, you know, seal of approval. And so that's a pretty good sign that he's going to be uh, on this roster here pretty soon. I'd, I'd venture to guess. I was under the impression that Justin Ross uh, has already won training camp. That was my my assumption. And Rasheed Rice, apparently. Unless he's throwing up. But that's neither here nor is it there. Speaking of stuff that makes people want to vomit, um, let's. <laughs> Before we get into that, uh, we can't thank Kansas City Strength and Conditioning enough for uh, sponsoring this show and allowing us to do this here on KCSN. Day one supporters, we we can't thank them enough for that. Be sure to check them out. If you have a baseball or softball player in the area that needs a place to train, 
so we haven't recorded. We didn't record last week because we did two episodes before, and just like the players, we needed a break, and we desperately needed that. Um, so just some overall thoughts from the last week and a half or so. I tried to come up with some, you know, some sort of cogent analysis or something really profound, uh, you know, just to try and summarize the last ten days. And all I could come up with was pain, just pain. Like this team is going to lose eighty games before they win thirty, and that is just putrid. And it's it's gotten to the point where, like, I feel like I've been pretty good, and I think we have been collectively pretty good about not losing the plot when it comes to where this team is heading and not just this year, but for future years, I'm at the point where I'm starting to lose the plot a little bit and it is getting harder and harder to cope with the losses because it is getting further and further from where are we heading? And we're going to try and get to some of that today, but it's just, I'm rambling here, but I don't know where to go at this point. It's it's getting really damn hard. Yeah, I'll I'll give you a little bit of an update. I think since the All Star break, they've played eleven games since Friday the fourteenth. Um, hitting wise, they are twenty fourth in weighted runs created plus. They're thirtieth in on base percentage. That's dead last for those keeping track at home. They are right down the middle, almost sixteenth in slugging percentage, dead last in walk rate at three point one percent. Seventh lowest strikeout rate in all of baseball. And then on the pitching side, 27th in strikeouts per nine, 10th best walks per nine, and even three, 15th in home runs allowed per nine. And the ERA, 10th highest in baseball. That's the 11th best for the starting rotation, which is kind of weird to say. And then the sixth worst for the bullpen, which earlier in the year, everyone said, oh, this world's bullpen could actually be better than people think. And then it's proceeded to uh, not be that. So, there's your stat update. Again, it's 11 games. Any 11-game sample size, even if they won 11 in a row, doesn't mean much this season. Um, it's obviously going down the path everyone sees it going down and has been for a couple months, but um, that's where they're at since they got back. I'd say that's more or less how the season started, right? Yeah. I mean, the starting pitching was maybe a mirage, but it was productive, and then, then it just kind of nothing ever clicked at the same time, so... It just it just seems like it's more of the same, more of the same, and that's uh, I mean you said the the eleven game sample size not great, it might actually fit the bill on on this one here. We didn't really get to we did have a draft thing, but we didn't really get a like put a bow on the draft class um, since everybody has signed. I think since then uh, the whole class except for the lot the final two picks, uh, a couple of preps uh, did not sign, so uh, everybody more or less is under. Uh, under contract and is getting assigned where they're supposed to be. And in all, I think we, we talked about it going in and I didn't really want the Royals to play under slot games. Um, I wanted them to go for that top end uh, star power type of player. Uh, it didn't seem like they did that. They did go under slot, obviously with Blake Mitchell in that first pick, but going into the draft, it seemed like it was a pretty consensus agreement that this was a pretty deep, uh, draft class and the Royals managed to get seven guys in uh, I believe in the top 100 more or less of um, of most rankings so not many organizations were able to do that the Royals were one of them that did they spent a total of 14 million dollars including going over their allotted bonus pool money so you can't call them cheap in this situation um, it is 
peanuts compared to what, you know, most people are wanting John Sherman to spend money on, but they're actually going out and spending money. Um, so it is, it is what it is. So at the end of the day, I was fighting with the draft class. Um, we'll see how it all goes. Very risky. And it's, it, I mean, we've said it despite the risk, they kind of cut the, this organization's front office, cut the safety net themselves. There is no, they, they, they went against the grain. They went and got the risk. They, they, you know, we've talked about it being a, a very ballsy pick. So it's going to prove somebody right <laughs> one way or another. It might be fans, but if they at least cut the safety net, there's no one there. They're either going to land safely by themselves and get extended and prove us all wrong or prove not us all, but a lot of people wrong, or they're going to, um, uh, fall on their faces and they'll be gone very soon. So, uh, curious to see how it all works out, but I just figured we need to put a bow on that draft class uh, when everybody got signed. So just for some context on the underslot, at least for first-round picks, so there were between the traditional first round and the two comp rounds after, a total of 39 picks, 21 of them were underslot. And, mm-hmm. and that even goes from Paul Skeens, who actually yeah. had a $500,000 underslot. Now, it's still the highest bonus ever given in $9.2 million, but the full slot for 1-1 was $9.7 million. So it was, again, it's it's not that the Royals or any other organization was being cheap. They spent that money. They just moved it around and tried to find value in pockets elsewhere in the draft. So just to show that the Royals were not the only team that did this, it was almost uh, half, at least, of... Uh, the first round were under slot deals in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And they, I mean, we needed revamping in this farm system. We needed more mm-hmm. more guys to count on. They want to cast a wide net. I get the I get the strategy, and they did it in a deep deep draft class, so it makes sense to me. So I'm I'm in it. It was also, I believe, the it was the third highest like under slot like a like margin. So the highest under slot was uh, looks like. Or actually, it was the second. Uh, someone the Marlins overslotted someone by one point six million dollars in the first round. That's nuts. Uh, so Jacob Wilson signed for one point one under to the A's, and then Blake Mitchell was slightly under that. It was well, one million eighty thousand. How are the A's holding up? Is that a model uh, franchise to follow? <laughs> not necessarily. No, not not correlation or causation. I was just curious as to how they were doing this year. In in the well, well, I mean. Again, they drafted Nicky Lopez in the first round. So, like, mm. you know, we'll see. That's, think. A, good thing, <laughs> That's yeah. a good way to get the hell out of the draft. <laughs> All right, we got we got a couple, uh, one more thing here. Uh, just some news and notes that came out today. So, since we last spoke, Daniel Lynch had a start against the Detroit Tigers, and he was, or he was fine. It wasn't it wasn't anything special. Uh, but then he came out with a shoulder injury. Goes on the 15 day injured list immediately after through a bullpen today and it did not go well. They shut it down pretty early on uh, from what, what I've heard and it doesn't look great. Sounds like it's going to be like mid-September before he even we you even think about bringing him back and at that point why not like just shut it down and, and move on from there but I wanted to believe in Daniel Lynch. Like the upside when they drafted him was this could be the best of the four and he's had injury problems basically the entire the entire time that he's yeah. been 
in the system. And that's not even just since he's been in the big leagues. In 19, he had a shoulder issue uh, when he was in high A. That was, you know, that's a little alarming. And then he gets to the big leagues and in 21, and it was injuries then. I think it was a calf injury. And then he's had some shoulder and elbow and a bl- and blister issues. And it's just been the whole gamut. So at this point, I think whatever you get out of Daniel Lynch over the next couple of years is just, you know, I think that you, it's just what you're going to get. And I don't know what that is because the injuries are just piling up. And if they had to shut down a bullpen, like a handful of pitches in, it seems like that's not pretty like that. That cannot be good. A good sign whatsoever. And we were talking about how, how could this season get worse? That's the kind of stuff that right there. We're supposed to be assessing these dudes. The literal worst thing that can happen at the, at this point is guys get injured for long periods. So that's true from that 18 class. You really need to figure out. Sure, hundred percent, and that's 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 the worst case scenario at this point. Is you're not going to be able to get a read on any of these guys for the rest of this year at this point. So that's that's we that's the thing that we kind of look forward or like look out for, I should say. So that's that's my read on it as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's not ideal, man. And he's a guy that topped out at like 152 innings. I wish I had my my tweet pulled up last year. He was at like 53 this year and he had been limited earlier in the year by a shoulder thing then Chris Bubich got hurt and Brady Singer hasn't been panning out and the Jonathan Heasley experiment coming into the year just fizzled out very quickly and like you you try to find uh, positives of guys that people were counting on heading into the year I guess Carlos Hernandez could be one and we'll we'll probably talk about him at some point during this podcast and he's been in the bullpen he's not in the starting rotation anymore so um, and also people weren't necessarily counting on him to be a staple for a long time. So the core of Royals pitchers, specifically in the starting rotation, that people were like, okay, if two of these guys pan out, X, Y, and Z is going to happen, they've had zero pan out this year. And now they're coming into 24 with the same problem they had in 23, plus two guys potentially coming back um, from injury riddled or shortened seasons. So it's not good. It's bad all around, and ironically, this was, you know, there were some good outings from Daniel Lynch that he put out there this year when he was on the field, uh, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be on the field a ton more before the end of the season. So to paraphrase our guy Alex Duvall at Royals Farm, uh, one of his tweets, it basically kind of summarized a little bit of my point about Lynch of, I, I don't know what to do with him at this point, but that leaves you now, Alec Marsh, Brady Singer, Jordan Lyles, potentially, because he's still on a he's on a two-year deal. Anthony Veneziano, maybe. Austin Cox, maybe he's a bullpen arm. Angel Zerpa, we haven't seen him in the big leagues in over a year now. Jonathan Bolin, maybe. That's going into 24 and Cole Rankins. So they got like 17 guys is what I'm that's a good, That is the most players if I've ever seen one. And it is one of the pitching staffs of all time is what it is. It yeah. sure is. It is one of them. Yep. It is one of them. Um, I think we should just leave it at that because that gives us a whole bunch to talk about going into the offseason. Mm-hmm. Yay. Um, the other thing that came out today, and it went about as well as you could have possibly expected, uh, but John Sherman posted an open letter to uh, Royals fans on social media via uh, all, you know, all the social media platforms. Essentially just talking about it, you know, I understand your frustrations. I'm at every game. We get it. We're committed to building, you know, a 
but restoring the Royals to their rightful place in Major League Baseball. The big thing was regarding the downtown stadium. He said in the next in the next 30 days, we plan to share an overview of the ballpark district, including the broad uh, benefits of the two sites under consideration, one in Jackson County and one in Clay County. And let's see, second part to this. And then just a whole bunch of economic numbers that I don't feel like getting into because that will smile people up as well. Um, I'm just tired of the stadium talk. I just am. It's not that I'm anti-downtown stadium. It's not like I'm pro either. I just I just want it to be done. And we at least have a direction to it. The concept, well, we're going to, you know, I just want to, like, when they do the renderings and they have a spot, okay, great. And then we can just move on from there. I'm just tired of it. There was an announcement teased about the actual announcement that really might still have one more thing after that. That so Yes. That's it, I, I get it's good on John Sherman for talking to the fans because there are fans out there that are ticked and they're going to be ticked either way. At least he made an effort. At least he said, still come up, talk to me, yell at me, criticize me in public, whatever you want to do. Talk to me at the gas station, cuss me out at the uh, grocery checkout line. <laughs> do whatever you got to do, but I do care. We are trying. People are going to believe it. People are not going to believe it. It's a nice touch. I literally think that's it. It's not changing anyone's opinion. No. Not a whole lot more info was there that was already out in the air and in public. Um, it teased basically something that may or may not be a finalized type thing or more more rendering stuff like that coming soon. I'm and I'm excited about the rendering. That that we were recording. Well, that's your literal. That's like your job. So it is my job. A job. So it makes it's, sense. It it, it but it, the, we the last time they did it, the rendering just dropped right as we were recording, and I was very distracted uh, for the rest of that show. Uh, for the record, but I, I was excited to see, potentially see not one site but two different sites. One is very high, one is very outward. So I'm kind of interested in that. But I the other thing I pulled out of it was the tone of it was that Sean Sherman was very confident that this is going to happen regardless of the vote. Um, which I'm very curious. I mean, obviously he's got to be, you know, confident in something like that in the business decision. He's got to be at least confident based or confident facing, but, uh, it was very interesting to kind of hear the tone being like, well, this is going to happen. We just need to figure out where and how and when and all that good stuff. So that's, that's kind of what I pulled from it. But I, I kind of did some digging on the, the other location in North, uh, Kansas city. And I, I'm not, I'm indifferent on downtown stadium regardless, but. I mean, it, the, it's kind of a cool location there in downtown North Kansas City. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that possibility, regardless of what happens. I just want to see that, like, they have a site. Once they have all of that, then I can kind of, like, get back into it. But for now, it's just, I mean, for the lack of a better term, just a pissing contest between the organization and the city to try to get it done. And I just am tired of that. It's the game. I, do, I think it's just one of those no-win scenarios where if he said nothing, people were going to be mad, and he comes out with a statement with all these things, and people were mad too. Like, it's just... I think we're just as base as fans, just conditioned to not like the owner because we feel like they're going to be cheap at every turn because that's just how it goes sometimes mm. with people. And we see all the bad... Like, all the awful stories about ownership, and so therefore we just want to be mad. And it's just another reason for people to be upset on social media. That's my two cents on it. Uh, we're going to do our hitter and pitcher spotlights here right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Be sure to hit that like button and that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube, or be sure to subscribe on all audio platforms as well. Keep uh, th- we thank you for listening to this and for continuing to listen to this as we go through uh, this season. So we do want to do our our hitter spotlight here uh, as we continue. Oh, sorry, we're I, I jumped ahead. My bad, guys. Yeah, we uh, can. It's all the same document. I mean, it, it is all going to get talked about one way or another. I didn't, I didn't realize I'd scrolled <laughs> down so far. We're actually going to talk about uh, the trade deadline coming up, which is one week from today as we record on the 25th. August the last had most interesting yet. thing that's going to happen to us, Joel. You can't leave I out. No, I know. I just, yeah. Because once well, after the trade deadline, boy, <laughs> it's going to be it's strong. Gonna dark like, ages. It's going to be the dark ages. Um, man, I'm just not in it tonight. I'm sorry, guys. This is this is about as good of a performance as we've seen from the world over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> a podcast deserving of 120 lost <laughs> Yeah, just about. So we do want to go over the guys that could potentially be traded, the guys that are. Uh, there are a few names out there. The one name that I think, like number one with a bullet that is going to be traded and you know at some point in the next week is Scott Barlow. He's still you know the last couple of weeks he's been fairly inconsistent, but as I know David Lesky and others have talked about, like one bad week is not going to tank value like we like we the fans think it might. 
Uh, it's just not the way it is. He is a solid reliever that has closing experience, has multi-inning experience, uh, limits a lot of hard contact, which is something that in the playoffs is super important. Now, he, the walks are an issue, but maybe another, maybe sub, a breath of fresh air in a new city, maybe, you know, he's able to kind of get that going again. Mm. I, I'll be curious what they're able to get back for him. Now, Pierre, the the comp that people are throwing out now, just because it was the most recent reliever trade, uh, Pierce Johnson from the Rockies went to the Braves and got the number 10 and number 26 prospect in the Braves system. And that's just for a rental. I don't believe that is a, um, that was, I don't think there's years of control for Pierce Johnson beyond that. So for a rental reliever to get two top 30 guys, can you correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, but I'm pretty sure it's just yeah, a, one, it. signed a one year. I think it was just a one year deal with the Rockies. And yeah, you're right. Extra, just under okay. it's just a rental. That's yep. what I thought. I I had seen conflicting things on social, but I was pretty sure yep. it was just a one year deal. I wondered if it was a Yarbrough situation where he still had oh, control beyond the contract, but yeah, you're right. It's just the just a rental. Okay, cool. Being able to get that for a rental reliever tells me with an extra year of control still with Barlow, they can probably get something close. Like I think you probably can get at least one top fifteen guy and then probably a similar kind of low A or rookie ball lottery ticket uh, with some upside. And I think that Royals fans will be fine with that. There are going to be those that say the team didn't get enough because they just want to be in the set, but that's yep. naturally how it's going to go. But the Royals need to trade Scott Barlow. They needed to trade him a long time ago, but I think it's actually going to happen this time with the amount of buzz that's kind of surrounding his name from national media members. Sounds like it's going to happen by four o'clock on the first. Yeah. Is the hall, what do you think he's bringing back? I, I missed that part. I bet I said I bet it could probably kind of similar to what Pierce Johnson got, like a top ten to twelve guy, and maybe kind of a similar like a Ronnie Cabrera, where it's a a lottery ticket of some kind, and just kind of try and stockpile some of those guys. Uh, could just continue on that trend. That'd be my guess. That's fair. I uh, I went on baseball trade values. I like messing around on the simulator, and I personally don't subscribe to like the. You have to have exactly equal value. And even some guys' values are kind of wonky, so it's it's not a perfect science or an exact science, but um, he's worth 5.4 median value. Uh, the Dodgers' number 11 prospect, River Ryan, who's a right-handed pitcher, he was worth 5.6. He's their number 11 prospect, um, 3.13 ERA and AA, but he's going to turn 25 in August. So you kind of take the good with the bad. Josh's tweet about the Johnson trade, I think, from yesterday was like, Basically, brace yourselves if you're a Royals fan um, or anyone expecting to see the outcome of that trade because it might not be the crazy return people expect. Uh, Vodnik that came back, or Vodnik, however you pronounce it, was a number 10 prospect um, heading the other way. So I think 10 to 12, like Joel said, somewhere in that range, top 15 prospect, probably what could be expected depending on the org that he gets sent to and then maybe a lottery ticket. Like I'm not expecting them to get a top five prospect or package him with someone else and get a huge return but can they get somebody that would possibly give them more for longer or at least a longer look than scott barlow can give the royals probably um the royals also possibly have someone in carlos hernandez who could take over that role at some point mm -hmm. he keeps progressing the dylan coleman stuff from earlier in the year has been completely extinguished he's not going to be the closer of the team mm -hmm. completely turns it around um, Will Klein could be an option down the road. They have pieces. I think 
probably a top 15 guy. Then you maybe get a lot of ticket. I know the control for another year is an added bonus, but also that just doesn't seem to be the market right now. Yep. I, I want to clarify the number 10 prospect that went from Atlanta was a reliever. Um, yeah. So take that for what it's sure. worth. It is, yes, it's the number 10 prospect in their organization, but he's also a reliever. A solid reliever with plenty of control left has you know, made major league debut and stuff, but this is a reliever we're talking about. This is the kind of context that needs to be added to these top 30 prospect uh, halls that we keep talking about. So I like to go off of types of players. I think Barlow is probably going to bring back somewhere between the Aroldis Chapman trade and the Pierce Johnson trade because he's been more consistent. He has better numbers. The expected stats are pretty close to Pierce Johnson, but uh, he does have that extra whole year of control. So I would think it's somewhere between it, maybe towards the uh, the, the uh, direction of Aroldis Chapman. Um, so I would expect some kind of fringe starting pitcher that maybe has a safe reliever profile and then maybe another flamethrower down uh, reliever from, from high A ball, something like that. But the, one of the best things about the trade deadline, and we just got our first glimpse of it today, was uh, this afternoon, Mark Feinstein reported there's been a lot of interest in Scott Barlow. Uh, he expects Barlow's to be dealt. Uh, he's mentioned the Dodgers, the Rangers, and the Rays as, as possible fits. But not so fast, my friend. Jeff Passan also wrote today that that Barlow's stock has plummeted over the last couple of weeks. Broken back, Plus Jeff, more, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <broken> back. <laughs> With a broken head back. back. That was such a weird thing. But he's talking about Barlow's stock has plummeted and people are more interested in going after Carlos Hernandez. So I just love conflicting reports in trade deadline season. It's one of my felt favorite things. Just muddy the waters further, boys. I just love it so much. What's what's everybody, so on a scale of 1 to 10, where are you guys at that Barlow's getting dealt? Like a 10 being he's gone, I, 1 he's I not think going it, anywhere. I th- I'd say, like, it kind of fluctuates, but I'd say like an 8.5 or 9. I think it's going to happen. I think I'm at an eight. Like I expect it to happen, but anyone who thinks it's absolutely a hundred percent going to happen, probably setting yourself up for a little bit of failure. Potentially Um, nothing is absolutely certain besides a bit of a struggle down the road for this team. Probably this year. Um, I think it's more likely than not. And I'm I'm probably at an eight. 80% seems about right. I'm I'm the low guy here. I'm at a 6.1. Uh, wow. Just the fact that I feel like he is going down, his stock has plummeted a little bit, and they don't have to trade him. So if they're not wowed by a deal right now, the trade value is not going to go that much further down by the end. They could trade him in the offseason and get pretty close to the same package, I would think. So that's kind of where I'm at as a 6.1. All right, so the next guy that could be on the move, there's at least like, I think the buzz will okay. slow down, yeah. but there's some smoke is Salvador Perez. I think the the injury that I think he's playing through, the the calf that he, you know, that he kind of tweaked a little bit the other day probably hampered some of that. I don't think it's going to happen now. I think we would have heard a lot more about that. And now a lot can change between now and next Tuesday, but I feel like that smoke would have continued to grow doesn't seem like that's the case. Mm-hmm. So I'm putting it at like a 1.5 out of 10 that I think he gets moved now. The, now, the next point of that is I'd imagine this is going to be a huge topic this offseason. And if I had my, my, I think it gets closer to a coin flip. 
by January. That's fair. Yeah, I'm at a one right now. I think it definitely would get closer to a three probably by January, especially like it, it's a lot easier. And this is not me uh, speculating at all. I want to make that clear. But if he secretly is like, man, I want to get out of here. I'm kind of tired of this. Mm. I feel like it's a lot easier to have those conversations and let that reporting play out over the course of several weeks in the offseason when everything's getting thrown against the wall than at the trade deadline where you're in the heat of a bad season. People's emotions are going to be effed up. You know, it's a lot easier to go through that and gracefully exit, I think, during the offseason and get a, a full camp with a new team, new spring training with a new team, if that was the case. Again, he's indicated publicly that he wants to be a Royal. Everything that I've heard and a lot of people have heard privately wants to be a Royal, wants to retire Royal. That's also public knowledge pretty clearly. I'm at a one right now. The contract is bad. He's been bad for about a month or so, and I, I he dunked on me on Monday night after I tweeted about him. He yeah, had run. Um, needless to say, I'm at a one with him, and then I think if it was a uh, Nikki Vogue Pez, is that our next guy? I'm just going to spoil it. I'm going to yeah, agree with him. Yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. I think it's a situation similar to when we kind of talk about what Merrifield trade for a long time. Sure. Like, I think the the Royals value Nicky Lopez a lot more than the rest of baseball does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the veteran, that's one of those things where the veteran leadership is something that this team absolutely lacks and is going to need. It's developing around these young guys is not just about on-field play. It's about how to conduct yourselves in a major league clubhouse and that's you can value it however you want to but Nicky Lopez is that guy he is that yeah. guy in that clubhouse so I think that there is some intangible stuff in that the I think it's a three I mean Kike Hernandez were, was dealt today um I think you got back a t- couple couple you know lottery ticket guys that may or may not pan out but they were familiar with them the Dodgers were so I think that was the m- bigger motivation of it yeah. which Nicky Lopez doesn't have that with any other organization so I think that we may be talking about a non-tender candidate at the end of this year anyways, Nicky Lopez, and I'm just not sure who's trading for that. So I'm at a 3.4 with Nick. Just extremely quickly um, on baseball trade values, I wanted to provide a comp for a trade. He's worth 0.6, that's 0.6. Um, Adam Hazley in Chicago's worth 0.0. He's an outfielder who has a 73 weighted runs created plus last year and a 57 this year. You are going to yeah. swap. Like people, Jimmy Lambert is a minus point one. He has a six two ninety ERA in the bullpen this year. A little bit of intrigue. Like you're not getting anything substantial for Nicky Lopez besides yeah. clearing up an infield spot for somebody and maybe a very 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 low potential uh, lottery ticket. Probably the 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 Phillies and the Cardinals swapped Edmundo Sosa last year. Sosa is two years younger, has two more years of control than Nicky Lopez has now, but that pulled back. A left-handed reliever, Jojo Romero, um, who was just kind of on the fringe there. So, again, another reliever that's on the fringe. That's kind of what we're looking at here uh, if Nicky Lopez does get dealt. But, I, I mean, I'm standing standing firm on both these guys. I tweeted about it. If either one of these guys gets dealt before the trade deadline, ghost pepper in my mouth. God bless you, sir. Um, very quickly <laughs> here. Another guy that's gotten brought up, it was brought up by Jeff Passon, and I've seen it other places, that teams are interested in Carlos Hernandez. Uh, he's not a free agent. It's only for the 2027 season, there's, so there's still a pretty long runway for the Royals. And it completely, my opinion on this, completely contradicts the trade relievers argument. Like, if they traded him, I totally get it. Like, get, your, get the value now while you can because the volatility of relievers is crazy. 
Uh, but I talked about this last week on the night shift with Jack Johnson, and it's kind of the, the 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 terrible analogy I used was the quote from National Treasure of someone's got to go to prison, Ben. Like someone has to get outs for this team. <laughs> and if you trade Scott Barlow, who the hell is going to get outs? Jordan Lyles, Jordan okay. Foot. <laughs> like it's going to be <laughs> you're going to be big news on the street. I understand hey, that the wins are few and far between. But if you have an opportunity to win a game in the ninth inning, one of the only people that I would trust in that bullpen right now to get those last three outs is Carlos Hernandez. Like, are you putting Taylor Clark out there in the ninth? No. Are you putting Dylan Coleman out there no. in the ninth? If the bases are empty, are I might think about Jose Quas. Sure. If sure. there's anybody still well, like, the base, no. I I like I understand trade your relievers, but it, like you got to have someone that can get outs, man. And he's like one of the only dudes that I think that can consistently do it. I think that's fair. I mean, he's he's under contract, out of free agent until twenty twenty eight. He, I think he could probably bring the most out of all these guys that we've talked about. Hundred percent. I think he's bringing back the most. He might bring back a couple legit top thirty guys from uh, from another club just for that. But I don't know. What are you trading for another guy that might be Carlos Hernandez? At, at the end of the day, like is he? Yeah. Is Carlos? Who's bringing more upside? The guy who the bird or the two in the bush? It's like that meme where it's like oh this this player could be anything he could be carlos hernandez <laughs> like okay oh i bet a two for him like i don't think it's gonna yeah. happen i, I don't just now i've seen the i didn't even know the jeff passing thing was reported until you i guys read that earlier i, I hadn't seen it yeah. at all any any rogers repeated or reported something similar earlier this gotcha. guy um saying that they were getting calls about him they were listening but they're not looking for it so i mean that's that's automatically giving you leverage they don't need to trade him but they're open to it and they have every reason to so giddy up maybe i'm gonna 3.9 with carlos hernandez yeah i'll say like a two and a half i don't think they actually do it unless they get overwhelmed by an offer never know i don't think it happens yeah you never know well a lot a lot can change we didn't think about this time last year that juan soto was gonna get traded to the padres and then it happened so i mean things can change very quickly around the trade deadline we're gonna take a break and this time we're actually going to do our hitter and pitcher spotlights like i said last time we'll be right back Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. Thank you for hanging with us here. Be sure to hit that like button and subscribe button. If you're watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed, what are you doing? 
So the hitter, there not there's not a lot to talk about uh, on the hitting side. Uh, I had a great tweet about Bobby Wood Jr. and that he proceeded to go hitless for four consecutive games. I deleted that tweet because I was like, what? I feel terrible. Yes, I do. I do. I am superstitious, Shame. and I Shame. I felt I was the cause. And I'm like, nope, this has to be this has to be go away. And then he went two for four the day that I deleted the tweet. So we're fine. I'll tweet something bad about him, and then he'll go on like cool. absolutely. Go I am king. Every time I tweet something bad about anybody. Really, I am the jinx master. I tweeted about Taylor Park and them needing to trade him, and then he has like a 50 ERA since then. Like I, I said, I, I've looked back at some of the like the spotlights that we've done, and like some of the good, yeah. like the positives we got. Like I talked about Chris Bubich and how different he looked, and how he could be like defensive, <sighs> and then he blew out his arm in the next start. Yeah, I talked about how good Michael Garcia was, and he went in the middle of like an 0 for 25. We talked about how uh, Salvador Perez was like. Maybe maybe he's evolving, and then he he's walked like twice since that time, and that was in like early April. Yeah. So yeah, uh, are you sure we want to do this then? Yeah, I sure want to do this. I could just try to learn to juggle right, on next camera. Time we're, next time we're spotlighting the dude that's in the middle of an over thirty. We're doing that. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, let's do that. We already we already have this queued up, though, so we're going to talk about yeah. MJ Melendez now using because we don't have a lot to go with here. Uh, we are going to use arbitrary deadlines to uh, to make our narrative look good here. So we're going to go from Sunday the 16th, uh, the game against the Rays that the Royals won, and MJ Melendez hit a home run. Mm. Uh, since that time, so that is, uh, he didn't play tonight, he's played every other day since. So that's eight games. Uh, slashing 273, 314, 485, 108 weighted runs created plus. Uh you know, he's not, and, and what's wild about this is that he's not walking at all. It's like 3%, but he's the strikeouts are 20%. So that's a lot more manageable for him. I still don't know what to do with MJ Melendez at this point. The bat has not come along at all. It's been a sophomore slump in like every sense of the word. His power's been zapped. He's chasing a ton. Like he does, he looks nothing like the hitter that we thought he was going to be uh, last season that he kind of showed he was at times last season. It's just, I just don't know. I, I think he's going to get another chance next year, but after that, I, I don't know. The outfield experiment's been horrendous, but they're not putting him back behind the plate. So I'll be honest, I don't know what to do with him. And I hope that this recent stretch and maybe just seeing a ball go over the wall for the first time in a, over a month, maybe that get, that's what gets him going. And, you know, he has a hot stretch here for a couple of weeks and changes my opinion, but it's just, there's just too, like the, oh, so much of the bad has outweighed the good for him this year. He's been one of the worst everyday players in baseball. Nope. That's, that's coming from like guy who's barely sniffing the Mendoza line for the last uh, couple of years, especially the yeah. play, the power was there and he just wasn't hitting for average. So it seemed like the, the bar was pretty low with him, but. The thing, the thing that's kind of popped out to me is the 741 OPS since the All-Star break. He's only walking at 2.3%, but he's also not striking out very much. So he's making better contact with the ball. He is His hard hit percent is up. His line drive rate is up. His barrel percentage is up. Average exit velocity, all that is up. He's swinging more, but that also includes chasing more. He's making more contact. Somebody pointed it out on Twitter that he did look like he changed his hand position a little bit. Um, so I think that might, and you know, there's some tweaking going on during the All Star break. And I did look it up. 
he's gone up the middle way more since the all-star break. And Vinny talked about it on Twitter with regard to Mike Massey and kind of what he's been doing lately was he was trying to more envision going up the middle and that's causing him to get more pull power. Well, maybe that's what's going on with MJ too. He's pulling the ball more. He's not going oppo nearly as much. So sorry about it, Rex Hudler, but he's going more up the middle and pulling. So, so he's hitting the ball more. So maybe there's something to that as well. So, Whatever it is that they've kind of still kind of moving around, moving the pieces around to figure out what is going on with MJ Melendez, something seems to be clicking at this moment. So let's just keep doing that. Yeah. Um, you guys nailed every data point I was going to bring up. He has hits in nine of those 11 games. And I mean, that's worth bringing up. That's a yeah. very yeah. simple way of saying, hey, he's collecting more hits and he's doing it more frequently because he literally is. And I personally am still very skeptical that the improvements are going to last. But the fact that we can see a tangible improvement in several different points and have the hand positioning uh, change is legitimate. And if he can just do better against fastballs, and that's something that we've said for other young Royal players. Basically the entire team. Too. Yes. <laughs> He's hitting 222 against them uh, with a 350 slug. The expected slugging is 448. That's a really big discrepancy. Um, 34.4% whiff rate. It's up 10%. Over last year, the run value is negative 10 compared to positive 3 last year. Um, it was just, he is struggling against four seamers really badly. He's hitting below 200 against them, whiffing 38% of the time. And you look at his plate discipline this year, he's swinging on the zone 2% more. He's making contact 9% less. He's chasing 5% more. He's making contact 6% less. On the outer edge of the plate, his strikeout rates are 45, 39, 12, 36, and 45%. All those quadrants are like, he's not covering the entire plate. He's swinging and missing a ton in the zone, swinging more in the zone, not making that contact. He is hitting the crap out of the ball when he does. <clears throat> That's something that has been extremely consistent this year. Um, 96 percentile average exit velocity, which is outstanding. The hard hit rate is 92nd percentile. He's hitting the ball hard. They just aren't finding gaps. He's hitting it directly to guys sometimes, and it's not entirely Babbitt luck or anything like that. Like, he has objectively been a bad player, um, and I don't know if the improvements are going to last or how significant they're going to be, but when you've been so not good at the plate for an entire season and you have the tangible change in film and the numbers for a small sample, um, it does provide at least a little bit of optimism for him. He he's been spotlit, so this is not gonna not gonna keep up. Sure, yeah. You got spotlit, so, MJ. Sorry, dude. Um, moving on to our pitcher spotlight, and a guy that I did not think we would talk about much on this podcast at all. <laughs> and hey, you know, since coming back from getting smoked in the face with a line drive, Ryan Yarbrough has been legitimately good in the rotation mm -hmm. for this team. Three starts. Two against Cleveland, one against Detroit. Six innings, six hits, one run, five strikeouts, one walk, and his first outing back in over two months uh, in the big leagues. Comes back after the All-Star break against Detroit. Five and two-thirds, three earned, four strikeouts, one walk. And then last night against Cleveland on Monday night in the win, six innings, six hits, one earned, one strikeout, no walks. He limits a lot of hard guys. It's, he is exactly what we thought he was going to be before the season. Like, it's not going to be sexy, nothing spectacular. Not a ton of strikeout numbers, but he's going to be in the strike zone. He's going to move the ball to all four quadrants. He's going to limit hard contact, 
and he's going to just eat you five, six innings if he can get there. And to not only do that, but to come back after suffering a significant injury, like the mental fortitude it takes to come back and do what he's doing is incredibly impressive too. And the fact the results are coming forward as well, you know, tip of the cap to Ryan Yarbrough. Yeah, no, 100%. Very, very rarely do you see a guy that goes through something like that and then comes back better and like uses it as a hard reset. And I like, usually that'll derail your season. You'll get hit like that. I personally would come back and just be a mess. He came back and it's been great. Um, and it's weird because he's such a weird pitcher. He doesn't get strikeouts. He's bottom five percentile in strikeout percentage. His fastball spin is first percentile. The fastball velo is terrible, um, but 10 strikeouts, two walks in 17 innings since he's been back. 113 whip. He's given up 18 hits. Almost half of his line drives on the year have come in those three starts. But, like, I can't really find anything that explains why he's been better. And this season, the cutter has been a massive improvement. Um, 333 slugging versus 524 last year. But, like, in terms of what he's doing, and that's kind of why I wanted to go ahead of Josh because I'm hoping he can help me out here. I don't want to say it's like, hey, he had three decent starts and the other two is going to drop and the Royals need to trade him before it does, but he largely seems like the same pitcher to me that he has been, and the last three starts are not indicative of how I view uh, Ryan Yarborough as a player, I don't think. Yeah, you're, you're right. The The movement's been pretty much the same. The velo's been pretty much the same. The one interesting thing that I have I've been able to find on that is that the pitch usage in the last three have been completely different each time out. So 790 to a sinker 40% of the time, curveball 32% of the time, cutter 18, changeup was 10%. Next start, 10 days later after the all-star break, the sinker was 33%. The change went from 10% to 29, curveball from 32 to 22, cutter from 18 to 16. Not so fast, we're going to do it again. Last night's start. Curveball, 30% of the time. Number one, the most he's used it. Next one was a seeker for 25%. Cutter at 24% and a changeup at 20%. So he's just absolutely going off of probably feel, but also potentially some scouting reports, some planning going into that as well. Um, calling a good game from uh, the Salvi and Fermian starts, so that's really good. Uh, but that was really the only thing that I could tell was was a little bit wonky or at least a little bit different. Is he was pitching, he was the usage was just kind of all over the place, which I love. I mean, he's got four pitches, so why not alternate him as much? I, I wish that more pitchers would do that, um, but it was kind of cool to see, and that's legitimately the only thing that I could really point to. Um, just a side note, the XFIP is about 4.51, so there is reason to think this is not real, but the counting stats are all behind him in this. The other, the other part about this is... I don't think anybody, when they signed him, thought that he was going to get a whiff of the rotation for very many times. And to get two out of three starts were quality starts. The only one that wasn't, he still went five and two-thirds. If he got one more out, it would have been. It would have been, yeah. So I don't think anybody really expected a three-game stretch where he was sniffing three quality starts um, for this rotation. I don't think anybody in their wildest dreams would have expected that outside of Ryan Yarbrough, nonetheless, coming off of getting smoked in the face. So it's just been super impressive what he's been able to do since he's back from injury. Going back to your point about him mixing up his pitch usage, so you mean like it's possible for pitchers and coaching staff to come up with a plan for every game based on what the lineup is doing and what their it's, their weaknesses are? Well, what the, the pitch field probably, 
yeah. Yeah. We'll probably do instead of having a instead of having like a one size fits all approach and beating <laughs> your head against the wall trying to make it work. Over it reminds me of Greggy. It reminds yeah. me of Greggy where he like probably knows in the back of his mind, I don't have the stuff to get past these guys. I'm also not stubborn enough like the young guys to potentially stick with what you have. Um, the Royals have a couple pitchers that are kind of known to do that. So I'm going to stick with what I know. I'm going to stick with what I've done. This guy doesn't. And he knows he has to switch it up. And that that could be it. Eventually, you only have so many combinations and guys are going to catch on to it. But you look at his pitch usage for the year, everything's kind of coming together. Like that split is very, very uh, minuscule in terms of the differences. And it's been yeah. mixing it up. One outing goes heavy this, one outing goes heavy that, and it balances out. So again, um, obviously we're not expecting this to last for any reasonable amount of time, but it definitely deserves a, a tip of the cap. Mm-hmm. For sure. You guys have any final thoughts before we get out of here? Do we uh, want to go back to the trade thing and give one guy that no one's talking about but should be considered? Maybe me and you should because I can see Josh's guy and that might be the worst possible way to end. Maybe we should start with him and then give like a more uh, <laughs> logical person. Do we want to do that? Sure. Uh, so the guy that I brought up was uh, Edward Olivares, and that's just purely because I don't know where he fits in the future of this team. Like he's a DH, maybe, and you can't put him at DH because you have other guys that are better hitters. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely a place for him as a fourth outfielder platoon type that can absolutely be a you know he can be a postseason guy for him yeah we talked about him too I think that yeah I think that's the one that that should be like that could be the one kind of like the Cam Gallagher trade last year that comes in at like 410 that we're like oh they traded that guy okay cool yeah like yeah that's a good point I've uh We'll we'll just let Josh end it on on a crazy note. I've got Nick Prado. Um, I think really he started off through June first a one thirty three weighted runs created plus was striking out thirty two and a half percent of the time, which is not good, but it's manageable for a Nick Prado. Since then, seventy one WRC plus he is striking out thirty nine point nine percent of the time. And Josh Kaiser, friend of the pod, member of the pod, did mention. Second half of the year, he could be the uh, the surprise or the, I guess, negative surprise, the regression guy that's kind of persisted. I have it on a scale of 1 to 10 at a 2 that he gets traded, but you factor in that, plus you factor in Vinny Pasquantino coming back, plus you factor in maybe the future of the outfield. Um, I, I think the Royals should be listening. I don't think that... Anyone knows what Nick Prado is quite yet, and he's had two good samples, or I guess one good sample, one bad, two differing samples. Um, that is reason to potentially move on from him. It's also reason to keep him. So baseball trade values has him at a 20. Um, you can get the D-backs number four prospect, the Phillies number four prospect, the Orioles number eight prospect for that. Personally, I think you're a lot closer to 10 than you are to five with those types of deals. Um, it depends, again on what Nick Prado's worth. He might not even get that for him. So that's my big old nothing burger of he's probably not going to be traded and I don't know what he's worth, but he also um, is a player I don't know too much about. Be hilarious 
sitting how many people go nuts every time Ryan O'Hearn hits a home run in Baltimore. Oh, if yeah. that's the destination he gets to go to, that would be. <laughs> I, you ruined my, I had a bit here at the end. and you. <laughs> he had another one on Tuesday, I think. He he did. He's been raking. Get one tonight. He has a 140 WRC plus. Yeah. That's interesting. But then again, like it's 180 plate appearances and we've been fooled by that sample before. So, I'm sure. you know. Yeah, let's let's talk today. about the weird one. Are either of you guys confident in either scenario where the Royals are contending in 2025 or you're extending Bobby Wood Jr.? Are either one of you confident in either one of those scenarios? I, well, define I'm more confident. Like making the playoffs or being close to it? You're sniffing him. I would be more confident that they talk to Bobby Wood Jr. about an extension and get that ironed out. I think they're closer to an extension potentially than they are to the playoffs in 2025. I think they are a 500 team probably in 2025, which is what I thought they'd be in 2024. Now everything's pushed back a year. Right. Um, I think Bobby Wood Jr. sinks or swims next year. This year, kind of up and down, had some really high highs, had some low lows. Next year, we're going to find out who he actually is, I think. Mm-hmm. Joel, what are you at? You, you got on the same Yeah, thing? I think, yeah, I think I'm in the same boat. I, I think they're going to try and get that done and have a, like a franchise cornerstone that they want to lock in for that downtown stadium so that it gives fans like, hey, come like, hey, we have this brand shiny new stadium. This, this team still may stink, but hey, come watch this guy. Like, I think it'll be something like that. And Josh, yeah. I know where you're going with this, and I just want to say that you were the worst. Well, here's the thing. I've I've already talked to my closest confidant uh, when it comes to baseball, my brother, and he's very anti-trade Bobby Wood Jr., but I actually kind of convinced him of it today based off if either one of those answers is a no, or if both of them especially is a no. And both of you them are no, yeah. you got to start feeling calls about him right now. Nobody has a sense of where the extension talks are, and really nobody has an extension or has an idea of where this team is going to be in 2025. But if you don't have a yes to both of those answers, or at least the contention one, then you need to be fielding phone calls about Bobby Wood Jr. right now. Not yesterday, right now. So baseball trade values, for what it's worth, it does a pretty good job like modeling value of prospects. They think Bobby Wood Jr. is worth four top 100 prospects. You're not going to find a lot of organizations that have that many, but the Dodgers are one of them. And I think that they would be all over Bobby Wood Jr. if uh, if he was on the table. They have eight top 100 prospects, so taking four of them is not even really going to hurt them that much somehow. But I think that if you do that, it transforms this farm system, gets them kind of recharged and going so that they go from a bottom farm system to at least top 15, maybe top 100. You start you know, building around a core that way. It just it just seems like that is your main ticket. That's your golden ticket, no matter what happens. For whatever outcome you think the Royals are going to have in 2025 or beyond, it's going to hover around Bobby Witt Jr. in a Royals uniform or not. So if they're if they're not confident in extension, they're not confident in contending by 2025. They need to be fielding phone calls about Bobby Witt Jr. right now. That's sounds uh, all, awful. Absolutely. Uh, if Michael Garcia turns out to be. Yes, the guy that people think he can be. He's not going to be Bobby Wood Jr. because of the power, but sure. he's going to give you some speed. He's going to give you some defense. He's going to hit above league average like that. And you get a third baseman that actually has pop. And you have guys coming up the pipeline that project this third baseman's that you've been investing draft capital in. Like the, the logic is there. Again, I don't think it's going to happen. 
No. Very low probability. But in Josh's world, I definitely see where he's coming from. I feel gross thinking about it. I think I need to go take a shower. Like I feel it feels <laughs> disgusting thinking about that happening. The more I say it, the more more like serious I get about it. Josh I know, is just and manifesting I, at this point. He's just manifesting it. He wants he's he's like Royals Twitter. Yeah, no, you do. You want to be miserable like eighty percent of Royals Twitter. You just I want the Royals to win and I want them to sustain excellence. And the only way they're gonna do that is making one player into four good players. Before we get out of here. Shohei Otani is going to be on which team on by 4 p.m. August? Oof. Good grief. Fuck. Uh, he's going to be on. He's going to be on the Angels. <laughs> he's not going anywhere. The they they suck. They're dumb. They're poorly managed. Um, they're a poverty franchise. You could say he's not going anywhere. I've seen people guessing, quote unquote, reporting it's guessing that he's getting moved. Blah blah blah. Teams have checked in on him. I can call and send in an inquiry and check in on him too. He's not going anywhere. Same, 100%. I don't think he is either. But I'll be at this point. I want him to go to Baltimore just because that would be so damn fun for half a season. Yeah. I would love it. Either that or Tampa. Like some team, the two teams, now the the intriguing one that I saw was the Diamondbacks have made calls. I saw that. Wow. That would be fascinating i would hate that i, I just don't like the diamondbacks though i would absolutely I hate it i, I would much rather see that guy in pinstripes than whatever the hell oh, the gross. no no we're not we, we've had the yankee conversation i think it would be dope to see shohei in the bronx but absolutely that's me. not they would boo him opening day <laughs> it would be terrible oh yeah they also seven of nine by the way they're they're so back and once they get Trout back and he's like even 80% of himself, if he ever comes back, um, it's going to be going to be fun. Uh, it'll be even more fun when uh, when Shohei is wearing uh, a Mariners jersey there next season when they give him $50 million. All right. All right. That's going to do it for one more way. Thank you all so much. <laughs> we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to KC Sports Network. We appreciate your support. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard. You can find all six of our channels covering the Chiefs, Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.